appropriate this morning that one of our songs was God of Wonders, because I don't know if you've heard, there's an eclipse tomorrow. So I hope you are prepared if you plan on going out and, and, and watching it. We made sure uh, with, with Ryan, um, now up in Tennessee, just south of Nashville, he is, and for those of you that aren't, um, haven't been here recently, Ryan is, is our son that uh, just moved, moved up to Tennessee to start college, uh, but he's right in that major corridor where it's going to be really good. So we made sure, Tony made sure before he left, we got him a pair of the glasses. What we didn't do is buy any for us. I don't know why. I think we figured we'd just get them when it gets closer to the event, which is now, you know, kind of the impossibility, I think, to get them. I'm really mad that we didn't buy them, and it's not because I'm so desperate to go look at the, uh, the eclipse, but if we'd have bought extras, we could have paid for his college with what they're going for, um, because they're, 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 I've seen them for as much as $300 now on, um, online. Julie McNaughton and I were talking Friday night, and I, you know, we, she reminded me, it was, I was in third grade the last time I remember an eclipse, and all I remember, I don't remember any of the, the hoopla of, around it like we've had this time, I just remember being, I was, we were in Jacksonville, Dad served church in Jacksonville, San Mateo Elementary School, I remember being out at, at recess, and them saying, oh, it's an eclipse today, don't look at the sun, and we all went, what, <laughs> you know, so I don't know how any of us don't, you know, aren't blind, but um, we'll go out and figure out, we'll make, you know, I've seen the crafts now you can do with shoe boxes and, and cereal boxes to make your own viewer, so maybe we'll do that. Or I'll do like we do everything nowadays, I'll just watch it online. And, um, but anyway, but it, it you know, it is uh, the amazing, the amazing um, wonder of all that, uh, that God has created. Now, we'll transition to Matthew 15, that's our, our text this morning, uh, this this encounter, which is part of a, a familiar pattern, if, you, if you're a student of the Gospels, if you know the Gospel stories, it's one of the reoccurring um, encounters between Jesus and religious leaders, teachers of the law, those who very often liked to, to try to find some fault and some criticism in Jesus' ministry. And that's, that's what we encounter here in one of these kind of stories and the opportunity Jesus takes, as he often does, to to turn a, a cultural understanding or religious understanding, common understanding on its, on its ear. Turn it upside down, if you would, and, and reframe the way, the way we understand a holiness and righteousness and, and cleanliness. So, uh, so let's, let's hear from the gospel this morning. Let's hear from, from God's word, beginning uh, at verse 1 of Matthew chapter 15. It says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what, that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. The people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. 
Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Jesus replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Brothers and sisters, we pray God's blessing here on the reading of his word. Let us, let us pray. Gracious Lord, help us to hear your word, speak your truth into our lives. And may these words be of you, honoring you and faithful to the leading of your Holy Spirit. I pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. So in a, not an epiphany, but just kind of a realization a few weeks ago, uh, when Tony and I were, were coming back from, from our trip, and we were at the airport, and as we were waiting to, to fly out, actually when we were leaving, uh, before they started boarding the flight, I you know, ran to the, to the restroom because you know, once you're on the plane, you know, I'd rather not deal with it there. So I, I ran to the restroom, and, and I was in uh, and, and just kind of random thoughts, absentee thoughts. I realized something about modern technology that is not new, but it just kind of jumped out at me. And that is we've made um, personal hygiene as easy as possible. We've made it as, as um, I mean, you don't have to do anything, I guess is what I'm looking at. Nowadays with technology, we have toilets that flush themselves. You don't have to flush when you're done. You just walk away, and you don't even have to kick it. You know how you used to have to kick it so you didn't get your hands dirty? You don't have to do that. And then you go to the sink. You don't have to turn on the water. You just wave your hands underneath repeatedly, looking for the sensor. Sometimes taking twice as long, but it comes. I, I've got to tell you, though, I was in a, a bathroom months ago, and I was doing that. I was waving, and it wasn't coming on, and I'm waving. Guy reached over, and he turned on the, on the knob for me. <laughs> a few moments in your life, you feel dumber than that moment right there. You know, because you take for granted. I just assume it's automated. So we do that. You don't have to, you don't have to push the soap dispenser. That comes out automatically. And now... You don't even have to touch the dryers, the, the hand dryers. Just put them in, and they start to dry. I mean, we've made, we've made personal hygiene as easy as we possibly can because we want people to practice good personal hygiene. And, and I think for the most part, we do. I, I, I notice because I watch people. There used to be a time, at least in my memory, where people would more, more at least guys, because that's the only place I can observe. Um, No, no, I'm just going to go. Um, I wasn't scripted, but uh, okay. I don't even know what point I was getting ready to make. We, uh, we're, there used to be a time when you'd see, at least guys, you'd see more guys just walk out of the bathroom. But see, we're in public shaming now. And we, we, we look at people. It's not verbally, but we, we visually public shame 
if you walk out of the bathroom without washing your hands, because that's dirty, right? That's nasty. You don't need to, you get those germs on your hand, you want to wash them. You need to wash, and I think most people do, because hygiene matters. Cleanliness matters. We don't want to be dirty, because somebody who doesn't wash, we consider them dirty. That's the word that we use uh, in, a, in a lot of different ways. And, and so technology advances to make hygiene convenient, simple, and easy. And it, it's happening on the, <laughs> I was going to say the other end, that's bad, but... Um, because I'm talking about toilets. Um, I was reading an article in PC Magazine, of all places. It was an article about the technological, adva techno technological advances, this is going to be a fun service, uh, of toilets, of toilets, the way that they're trying to make that more of a pleasant experience. I kid you not. And so some of these, I think, are in practice in Europe. I've never seen them. But they're, they're, they're doing things. They're, they're working on, on toilets to create um, more comfortable seating on a toilet. They're, they're working on toilets that have armrests. Because I can't tell you how many times I've been on the toilet and I thought, man, if my arms were just more comfortable, this would be better. Um, they have toilets that they've got speakers built into now. So you can listen to music. So, so I mean, they, they've got heated seats. They have toilets that are developing with air dryers. <laughs> just leave that there. Um, and then there was one, there's one invention that's coming out, or is out, that I actually think makes the most sense. Most of this I find silly, but this one makes sense. It's, it's toilets that have lights that sense your presence at night. Now, that's not new. Some people have those, those lights on, on their toilets that when you come near, they light up. But this is a strategic one, because when, it, when somebody comes near, it lights up in either green or red. The color is either green or red. Anybody want to guess what causes it to light up red? The toilet seat's not down. If the toilet seat's up, it lights up red. If the toilet seat's down, it lights up green. This is a marriage saver. <laughs> Gentlemen, I cannot be the only one that got indoctrinated in the first year of marriage and the importance of the toilet seat being down. I practice. I don't understand it, ladies. I still argue. You can look before you sit, but that's a whole different thing. Um, but, but anyway, I'm really on thin ice here. Um, the point is, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm going. We, we do all these things to, uh, to kind of try to, 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 to help people be clean and sanitary and, and to avoid being dirty. Because that's what we equate these things with. When, a, when an infant has a, a soiled diaper, we call it a dirty diaper. You know, it's these external measurements of, of, of or, or understanding of what, what makes something dirty, what makes something soiled, what makes it um, defiled. And, and some of this makes sense. I, I understand, uh, you know, some of these bodily functions are unpleasant. They're, 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 you know, it's a reality of life. And, but Jesus confronts that, and he challenges an overly simplistic thinking. And he does it in this encounter with the, or with the Pharisees, who, who he believes has a very, have a very distorted understanding of what makes somebody dirty or what makes them clean. And it centers around the religious traditions of the day. And so, and, and as often the case, in the, the context here, the, the verse begins, 15, chapter 15, verse 1, it begins with the Pharisees coming from Jerusalem. And that, that context is important. They come from Jerusalem. Well, well, who comes from Jerusalem? Well, it's the religious leaders. It's the big wigs. It's the important people. And, and they're coming essentially to observe Jesus. They're coming 
very often to, to be critical of Jesus, to find fault, but, but at, the, at the very least, they're coming to, to kind of watch over and make sure Jesus is, is doing it right. Most of us at some point of our life have probably had a superior in somebody over us in authority or position that have observed us doing whatever it is that we do for a living. Teachers, I know you deal with this because you have um, observations by administrators. Uh, I can remember as a young pastor, the first time I looked up in the church I served and saw the district superintendent walk in un unannounced. That's, that's my boss. And, and I was petrified. And he was supportive. He was encouraging. He wasn't there to find fault, but it still intimidated the pants off of me to know that, that he was out there. And, um, you know, you have to, you know, it gets in your head. You become aware of these kind of things. And, and so in some ways, and, and that's just a little piece of the, of the context, they're coming to watch Jesus, and they're really coming to find fault. And it doesn't take them long to do it. They, they criticize immediately because they notice that the disciples, Jesus' students, are not following the religious tradition of properly washing their hands before they eat. And this isn't a matter of hygiene the way we think of it to tickle germs or bacteria, but it's, it's one of the many practices of the people that they believe that they had to engage in in order to be properly before God, to be, to be clean, if you will, in God's sight. So there's a lot of religious practices around the, the natural experiences of life in which they would have to be ritually cleaned before they, they could kind of be in the presence and, and be before the Lord. And, and Jesus looks at this, and he looks at this criticism, and he recognizes the hypocrisy of it. Because he says to them, you are so concerned about the traditions that you have created that you've forgotten the heart of why it matters. You have, you have created traditions that, well, it, he's not saying that they don't matter and they don't have a place. You've elevated them to supreme importance. And you've created an external facade that hides an, an internal um, corruption. In fact, in, in Matthew 23, a few verses later, he will say to them, Woe to you, you hypocrites. Woe to you, you are like whitewashed tombs. It's an outside, you look great, but inside you're full of dead bones. You've, you've forgotten the heart of God's law in favor of these, these traditions, these external measurements of, of what makes you clean. And, and we do this. We do this. We, we value and we, we, put ex we put unrealistic or unfaithful value to the practices of faith that have an important place, and we forget about the heart. And that's what Jesus says. He says, in fact, the whole reason I kind of made jokes about toilets today, because Jesus says that your hands, whether they're clean or dirty, he says the food has the same process. You eat it, it passes through the body, and then it's expelled into the sewers. That's really, it's interesting to me that the, the translators kind of clean up the text. They kind of say, and that passes through the body. But the Greek word really means it passes into the toilet. It passes into the sewer. He said, that's what happens. These external things are not what judge what is dirty and defiled in the eyes of God. But he says there's a part of the body, not the hair, not the hands, not any other part, that is far more dirty and corrupt. And he says it's the heart. Not the hair, not the hands, but it's the heart. And he says very 
powerful and I think convicting words. Verse 19, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. This is what's inside that marks us as, as righteous or unrighteous, faithful or unfaithful, dirty or clean before God. And I hear these words, and I begin to take them as a personal challenge. How do I look before God? Where do I stand? What is, what is the barometer? How do we begin to judge whether or not, or to evaluate our own lives? Not judge others, but to evaluate our lives and to ask ourselves that question. Lord, do I stand before you clean? Do I stand before you made holy and righteous? Or do I look defiled and dirty? Not based on my hands based on my heart. And so Jesus gives us, very simply, the barometer for that. And he says it's judged by, one, our actions. Well, we understand that. We, we understand that, that we, we, our actions reveal our heart, the things that we do. First James 3 said it's not, don't just love with words, but love with truth and with action. Put your faith into action. What is it we do? But interestingly enough, Jesus also says it's also about what we speak. The things that come out of our mouth, not the things that go in, but the things that come out of our mouth. That's what he says. He says, what goes into someone's mouth, verse 11, does not defile them, but what comes out of the mouth, that's what defiles them. What's the character of our speech? What's the character of the words, the content, the quality of the words that we use. What does that reveal about the condition of our heart? Now, I'm not talking about the four-letter words that we're not supposed to speak. I'm not talking about curse words, though I'm not advocating that. I'm not specifically talking about whether we choose certain description, descriptive terms or, or words in our speech. What I'm talking about is the content of what we say. Because you can use the Queen's English. You can use proper English. You can use the best, most appropriate sentence structure and words, and you can be ugly, and you can be crass, and you can be hurtful in your speech. So the question that I began to ask myself, the inventory I began to take, is in the, the quality of my speech, do I more often build up, or do I tear down? Do I look for the best in people, or do I highlight the faults of others? Do I celebrate somebody's accomplishments or do I relish their failures? What does my speech, what is the, 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 the content of what I say on a day in and day out basis, what does it begin to reflect about the condition of my heart? Because that's what Jesus says reveals who we are. And how often have I sat back in my life and taken an inventory, not of just what I do, but of what I say? And thought very intentionally about that. When I was writing my dissertation and doing my research, I'd have to go and I'd interview pastors and church leaders around the state. And I, take a, I would, had to take a tape recorder. And I would record the interviews. And then after the interviews, at some point I'd have to sit down at the computer. And sentence by sentence, word by word, I would type a verbatim. I would type every word of, of that conversation. A transcript. And so that I could go back as I was writing and reviewing and I could read over and over again. I would reflect over and over again exactly what was said and the things that I was learning from that conversation. 
What would it look like if at the end of the day we could have a transcript of everything we've said in the course of that day? That you could spend a few minutes at night and you could read over the things that came out of your mouth in that previous 24-hour period. What would it say? Now, some of us have a little bit of that transcript. It's called your text messages, if you do that. Read over those sometime. It's just a snippet. It's your children, yeah. If you have small children, they'll repeat exactly what you say. That's true. But, but your text messages. And, and, and I love and hate when God kicks me in the pants on my own sermon points. But, uh, but I'll confess to you yesterday, texting a good friend of mine, a friend named Mark. And we were sharing some things going on just, just through these text messages. And at some point in the flow of the conversation, I got snarky toward an acquaintance we both have. Somebody that we know that has gotten under our skin. Quite honestly, somebody that's done some things that we don't like, particularly either one of us. And I just threw a couple grenades his way, just between me and, me and Mark. And God challenged me on that. He said, you're going to stand up tomorrow and talk about the content of your speech. And here you are unnecessarily throwing grenades at somebody who's not reading it. He's not going to see it. I, I can tell you all the ways we rationalize it, right? They're not going to know. But I did. And I thought, what does that reveal? Not about them. What's that reveal about me? What's that reveal about me? What does that reveal about us? If we could see the verbatims of the things that we say. Would we look clean or would we look dirty and defiled before God? And the truth is, yes, in both cases, for most of us. For most of us, we have those moments like I do too often. But, but we're called to be different in the way of Christ. In fact, read the text a few weeks ago from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. For in Christ we are a new creation. How do we become that new creation? How do we become men and women whose hearts reveal righteousness and faithfulness and obedience? How do we become men and women whose speech lifts up and is filled with grace and compassion and peace rather than criticism and complaints? How do we speak truth even in love? Because that's what happens. That's what we do. Well, I'm just speaking the truth. No, scriptures say we speak it in love. How do we be those kind of people? And there's two, two principles that, that I identify. There's probably more. But, but two that I begin, I think are important as we begin to, to open ourselves to the work of God. And that is one, we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit daily. Daily. We invite God to be part of of our conversation, not just the things that we do. We invite God to be part of the things that we say. We take moments at the beginning of our day to invite God into our day. Not because He's not there, but because it opens our heart to the work of His Holy Spirit. We invite God into those moments when we feel our speech getting away from us. Because if you become more attentive to that, if you become more intentional about that, you will catch yourself in those moments. And, and we've probably heard those practices when we're getting angry. People have said, you know, step back and count to ten. You know, disconnect for a moment. I think those are fine practices. But what it look like if as followers of Christ, we step back and we immediately took a posture of prayer. Lord, come into this moment. 
Lord, come into this place right now in this moment and guide the words that I speak. That we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to take the role of, 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 of guide and shaper in our lives into those moments when we feel our speech getting away from us and no longer reflecting Christ. Invite the Holy Spirit in those moments. But, but here's the second. And I think in some ways this is harder. We rely on the Holy Spirit in one level and we rely on the community of faith in the other. other. Your brothers and sisters. There's a reason we're called to share this journey together because we can help one another. And ask yourself who you have in your life that will speak the truth to you. That will speak the truth to you of the moments when you are not reflecting Jesus. That is a hard thing. And, and here's the thing. Give them permission to do it. Give them permission to speak truth to you. That's hard. That is hard. I, I have that person in my life, and she's sitting right there. But, but I want to confess to you. I, I sat down yesterday. Because I knew where this was going. And I, I went into the living room. Tony was in there working. And I said, Tony, I have a question. I said, do I listen to you? Do I listen to you? Because I didn't want to stand up here today and act like, here, this is how you do it. You know, just, you know, listen to that person. In my case, Tony. I said, do I listen to you? Because here's what I know. I know that, that I don't always listen so well. That in those moments, sometimes when she has spoken truth into my life, I have gotten very defensive, and I've gotten very angry, and I've gotten very resistant, and I've gotten very willing to share with her why it's okay for me to be behaving in whatever way I'm behaving in that moment. But, but what I wanted to believe is that in time, I let the truth of her words seek in, and it begins to, to have an impact on me. But I wanted to hear her say it, not me assume it. And I said, Tony, do I listen to you? And her word, when she looked at me trying to figure out where I was going with this, her word was, eventually. <laughs> eventually. That's exactly what she said. And I'll take eventually right now. Now, what I pray for is the day will come that that will be a yes. But, but it's truthful. I don't always hear her immediately. And I am sometimes resistant to that truth. And I have to allow that to seek in, seep in, and I have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in that. But she speaks truth into my life. We need people in our lives that speak truth to us. And we have to give them permission to, because here's what happens. If you don't, people won't, because it's not worth the fight. If, you're always, if I never heard what Tony said, if I was always resistant all the way to the end, she'd stop. She'd stop, because where's the fruit? But we allow people to speak truth. Who speaks truth into your life? To allow God to speak through their voice, because it's still the Holy Spirit at work. To begin to work that new creation. Begin to work that truth that, yes, you know what, washing your hands matters and having, you know, your hair combed and looking presentable. Sure, that's all good. But it can't cover up a corrupt heart. It can't cover up a heart that's forgotten the love of Jesus that's forgotten the grace and unity. Because when we do practice this as a people of God, we begin to reflect the truth of, of Colossians and, and Galatians. Paul speaks to the church of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. 
we begin to reflect the character of a community of faith that is united in Christ, that builds each other up, encourages one another, loves one another, speaks truth to one another. That's who we are called to be. And that starts not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Allow God to be at work. It's a little heart surgery. We all need heart surgery to begin to make us holy and blameless through the power of Christ at work within that becomes witnessed by the work without. The things we say and the things we do that reflect his glory. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence with us, your patience with us, and your work within us. And we just pray that we'd be open to that truth, to your Holy Spirit, and to your challenging us in our areas of growth and, and the need of greater obedience. Help us to hear and help us to respond in obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.